This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Today's episode of the Chase to Must podcast is brought to you by our presenting sponsor, Panko Chicken. The new Atlanta restaurant thrives off of a unique spin on Japanese and Western cuisine and is already racking up the awards, winning Best Selling Taste in the Taste of Atlanta Awards both in 2017 and 2018. So if you're in the metro Atlanta area and are wanting to try something new and good and delicious, go to Panko Chicken today and tell them that I sent you over. You'll be glad you did, I promise. Panko Chicken, where eats meets West. Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. All right, welcome back to a Tuesday night edition of the Chase Thomas podcast. On the other line, right now, he's a senior writer at NBC Sports. He's one of my favorites, Sean Leahy. Sean, good evening. How are you, sir? Hey, Chase. How are you? I'm good. Are you done uh, with all of your NHL trade deadline hysteria? Have you had time <laughs> to get some green tea, to lay back, get some sleep, rest up? Or, or are you still just in the minutia right now? No, that's. I think that's this weekend. This is, there's still some some busyness to do in the days after the deadline, but it, it does slow down, which is nice because that's the reason why I like the NHL trade deadline because it's an actual deadline. So I don't have to worry about trades happening at you know midnight or two a.m. at least until after the season in June and we get to draft and free agency. So a couple months of of relaxation and enjoying the end of the season, the playoffs before uh, the madness starts all over again. Well, I think we're almost done with trades. That's what when I was looking at different cap sheets and like what teams are stocking up on and like looking at the amount of picks that the Senators, the Rangers, and other teams like that have, and just how many teams were like, nope, we're good. And then you have like the Coyotes and um, the Blackhawks and other teams like that that I want to touch on a little bit later who are like, we're kind of we maybe get in the playoffs. So no, we're good. Um, you have the Ducks kind of trying to go full rebuild, but they still have just a lot of bad contracts and they haven't moved a lot of the guys that will eventually have to move anyway. But um, it does seem like everybody knows their place and there's like six teams that actually want to go for it. And then you have like the Columbus Blue Jackets who just got drunk over the 24 hour, <laughs> um, time span. Uh, so I appreciate that. But, um, for the most part, it seems like there's only, it kind of reminds me of baseball these days where it's like now I think there's only like six teams really going for it and really going balls to the wall in this arms race, especially in the West with Winnipeg, Nashville and, and um, everybody else. So it's, is that a fair generalization for the state of the nhl right now yeah it's funny because it, the the league loves to sell this fake parody you know because they mm-hmm. give up the the loser point if you get to overtime no matter if you win or lose or the shootout and you, you lose you get at least one point so that kind of makes teams look better than they actually are which is why we have that you know that crazy cr- crazy race from the at the bottom of the western conference where even the la kings at least as of last week, or maybe I think it was like six or seven points out uh, of the of a walk off spot, they about they fall back much more. Well, they lost since, like eight they, straight, right? So yeah. they're doing their best so to did, fall out, which is help. not great yeah. for my Ducks. It's not great. I'm not a I'm not a happy camper about the worst offense in hockey having to go neck and neck with the other SoCal team. The Kings race to the bottom with uh, the Ducks is is not fun. Yeah, you need, especially when you go back just a couple of years and. The Kings obviously with two cups, and the, the Ducks got to a conference final and were a playoff team every year. But they've uh, obviously been been ravaged with both injuries and very bad contracts that have really been weighing them down. And um, you know they have some nice young players there. Ricky Raquel, unfortunately, Andre Kasha got hurt this year, so he's out in the thing till the early next year. We certainly have John Gibson doing everything he can this year, but there's not enough around he's him been to, hurt. to help. So, yeah. he's, well, thankfully, he, Ryan yeah, Miller still exists. 
So thanks for him having a, a weird career resurgence in Anaheim. It's bullshit. That's what I'm saying, Sean. He needs There's to. No pressure. I don't think, yeah. There's uh, no pressure. It's not like he's. It's not like he has to perform in Vancouver 2010 or uh, yeah, was it yeah Vancouver 2010 again? Like he, you know, where that helped him win a Vesna Trophy when he got back. So no pressure to to play behind John Gibson because you know, I, even though you, you know you have to do pretty much everything on your own every single night. You know they're headed for the lottery. It's like they got to worry about fighting for a playoff spot. Right, but my whole thing is, um, what if they just didn't use a goalie? That is my thing because I, I don't know if you've seen who's at the top of uh, the 2019 NHL draft board. Um, it's a it's a fun kid. It's not the Vancouver kid. That's his brother, uh, Mr. Hughes. Have you seen this young Adam Banks type fellow? I've seen just what many people have seen is just you know some clips here and there, you know parts of uh, parts of some games, but everything you read obviously about him, and certainly he has the uh, the good family genes like like the stalls or the house, you know where all the kids are in, are in the game, but he, he certainly looks to be a game changer uh, and someone who can step right in and, and be an impact player beginning uh, next year in in the right situation. So it'll be interesting to see uh, how the lottery shakes out and, and who ends up taking, especially if you're the Ottawa centers who uh, don't have a first round pick because you traded for Matthew shade and that your first round pick, which could be Jack Hughes will go to the uh, Colorado avalanche this year. Well, if there's anything the Colorado avalanche need right now, it's more top prospects. <laughs> well, you know, yeah, they you know what they need to need like a second line because uh, yeah. Gabriel Landeskog, Miko Rantanen, and um, uh, I'm drawing a blank on the other guy. Oh, Nathan McKinnon have you know carried that team really through the first couple months of the season, mm-hmm. which is why they're there. Everyone was raving all over them, but obviously the you know, the regression monster came back to bite them. Uh, their goaltending's uh, not helped them out, and and that one line can only do so much. And that's why now they're back in the, the, that, that wild pack at the bottom of the, uh, the wild card picture in the West kind of just trying to fight in and either grab, uh, you know, one of those last two spots or, or make a run and, and try and catch St. Louis that third spot in the central. So let's go through it. Let's parse through. We're not going to go through every trade and all that kind of stuff, but um, what was your, biggest take is like who stood out to you as a winner and then we can do some losers and then some more like ambiguity in the middle but who really stood out to you as like oh i loved what they did i mean you could you can argue whether they they, they should have gone in a different direction but i, I love what the columbus blue jackets did i love mm. everything armored kick Lion did from from the moment that it was clear that Artemi Panarin and Sergei Bobrovsky were not going to resign at least during the, the regular season, and it seems like they're not going to be back at all. I, I was saying, Kikalan should just 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 go for it, right? Just try because the value that that Columbus is going to get now that there's some excitement in the market, maybe they get into the playoffs and, and make a run. That value that they create with the buzz, it, I think, will go a long way. It'll be a lot greater than the fourth round pick and unknown prospect or whatever they might get for moving one of those guys and obviously moving t- uh Bobrovsky would have been tough because he has a, a no, no he has a no trade clause no move clause I believe it is so he can control the destination so that that affects what you know where you can send him and what you can get back so I'm happy to see him load up get Duchesne get the Zingle uh bringing Keith Kincaid for some goalie insurance you know uh, bring Adam McQuaid for some depth on defense and and, and see what you can do outside of the Tampa Bay Lightning, there's no real powerhouse. There's some very good teams, Capitals, Islanders, Boston, Toronto, obviously, but Columbus is, is a good team. And uh, it's, it's almost, it's almost unfortunate in a way with the Panarin and Bobrovsky situations is the, the Blue Jackets would be almost better off if they were 10 points out of a playoff spot. So that way, Keiko and say, you know what, I'm just going to trade Panarin, Bobrovsky, see if we can get back and, and build next year. But he was in this spot where he can't trade both of those guys away when they were, you know, in the number three spot in the, in the uh, Metro division. What's that? What is that saying to your fan base, especially a fan base that has yet to see a, a, their, their team win a playoff round in their history. So I'm happy to see what they did. I'm, I'm happy for the Columbus fans today. Uh, and hopefully it works out for them because they've, they've been a, a very competitive team the last couple of years. You know, they've obviously fallen short and you know, Penguins knocked them out a couple of times, but, uh, maybe the, the these additions kind of add a little spice to the room, and, and maybe if they get a, some bad performances from Sergey Bobrovsky, uh, they can make a little noise in, in the first couple rounds. So I agree with you that if everything goes the right way, the 
the Blue Jackets are the team, they're like, oh, this is why you go for it. Like, they're going to be a good case study where it's like if the Carolina Hurricanes did like the the mini version of this in a way, too, um, where the franchise really needs some sort of playoff success to sell to their fan base. And the Blue Jackets are even a little bit more different than the Hurricanes because they're just trying to break their playoff drought. And then you have the Blue Jackets who are like, can we just get out of the first round? And that is it's a tough thing and it's something we don't often consider as fans of just like how front offices have to think about this kind of stuff where they're like all right it's gonna be really hard to beat the lightning and we can't like you, you can't think like that because ultimately you need to kind of sell this fan base that like sometimes you're gonna go for it and this is a really good team but now we can maybe be a great team that said it's a bold move to go into an offseason where 2019, 2020, I, let me check my notes here. Yep. They have zero people under contract. So <laughs> that is a, uh, it's a bold move uh, for your fan base to be like, well, let's hope it works. If not, well, uh, we'll see you guys in 2036 when we try again. Yeah. I mean, but Kiko, you know, Kiko Linen, he has the support of, of management and ownership there. So there's some job security. This isn't like he's taking a risk and if it fails, he's going to be out of a job in, in June. This is, they're going bold. It may not work out. They may not make the playoffs at all. They may get bounced around one and then uh, Duchesne Jesus, walks. Can you uh, imagine if they didn't make they the playoffs all after all this? It would be, I mean, it would certainly be embarrassing, but look, I mean, how, we see it all the time, not just in the NHL, but all throughout sports. You know, how many general managers just are too conservative with how they yeah. structure their teams and, and try to strengthen their teams going forward. So good. Like I said, good, good for them. This is, this is good for the market. It, it, you, you, if you're a Blue Jackets fan, you obviously don't want it to happen. Uh, it would be a big embarrassment for them, but they went for it. They, at least you can say they tried. Where a lot of sports teams don't try, they'll they'll just just collect the draft pick, they collect the revenue sharing, you know, depending on the sport they're in, and, and just worry about next season and, and don't really care. Whereas Kikalan, he cares. He wants to win. That that fan base. It, it's a great hockey city, a great market, a great uh, franchise. They have a good team, some really good players there, some good players that they're going to have there for the future, like Pierre Luc Dubois and and Cam Atkinson, who to me uh, is criminally underrated in this league. I think he just scored his 35th goal tonight. So there's some good pieces going forward. If if it does fail and none of those guys are, are back next year. But then they could also be players in free agency and, and you know kind of throw some money around and see if they can kind of restock what they potentially could lose this summer. So who do you have when you were tracking everything? Who were you just like, oh God, please stop, please? What are you doing? What this this has to stop? What what have you lost your mind? Uh, well, the Pittsburgh Penguins for one. Oh, um, okay. Uh, adding Eric Branson, trading him, uh, requiring him for for Tanner Pearson. Uh, you, you, you're not only adding a, a, a subpar defender, especially a guy who himself admitted in an interview yesterday that he's not had the best season with the Canucks. Um, you, you put him on a blue line with Jack Johnson, who's notoriously not the greatest of defenders. Uh, you, and Good Branson still has another two years left on his contract, and you're also adding, I think it was like $250,000 more on your salary cap, a little bit more than, than Tanner Pearson. So you're adding him. Chris Weidman, um, he, he could be a good piece. Maybe not. We'll see. But just some of the moves that that, um, that Jim Rutherford has made in the last year, it, it, they've just been really, really, really strange. Because most of the time, within uh, several months, he's gone and, and reversed them. I mean, this, they just got Tanner Pearson a couple months ago. So now he's already gone. Uh, they signed Ryan Re- They got Ryan Reeves right around the draft in 2017. They traded him late last year. Matt Hunwick, Anthony Niemi, Riley Sheehan, Jamie Alexiak, they got from the Stars last year, and they traded him back to the Stars in January to the same pick that they traded for Jamie Alexiak. Um, Derek Broussard, again, they just traded him a couple weeks ago. Derek Grant is another one. So all these moves Rutherford has made, they're just kind of spinning the wheel, wheels because it works for a little bit. He, he tries to fill a need somewhere that he sees in his roster, and it maybe works for a couple weeks, and then it just doesn't work, and then he just undoes the trade and, and looks somewhere else. So I, I don't know if that's just the, the – the pe- there's not the smart people around him that there used to be, like, say, Jason Bottero when he was still there as assistant GM, um, people telling him, no, don't do that. Uh, but the, you look at the Penguins now after the deadline, are they better? I, I, than they were a couple months ago. I like the additions of McCann and, and Bukestag, but 
Um, I don't see them really even being a threat right now in, in the Eastern Conference. I know they have Crosby and Malkin, but Matt Murray hasn't been great this year. Uh, Casey Smith hasn't been fantastic late either. They have, obviously, Chris Letang is, is having a fantastic year, but beyond that, Brian Dumoulin's hurt. Ole Mata's hurt. Letang was banged up the other night in the stadium series game, so you don't know how they're going to be when they come back. So it's just a, a weird mix of a team right now and, and a team that even just a couple of years ago, they looked, they were well-balanced up front. You know, they had depth scoring, uh, you know, good goaltending. They're, in the 2017 final, their their defense was just ravaged with injury, but guys kept stepping up, and that's what they had in those two years where they won back-to-back. They had guys coming in through the AHL like Jake Gensel, like Brian Rust, uh, like Connor Sheary, who's now Do you like Gensel still? I do. I mean, how okay. could you not? That you play yeah. next to Sid, and he can score. And I know people yeah. say, oh, well, he's the product of playing next to Sidney Crosby. That's well, what I what? wonder. Like, the stuff with him, it seems like no one's gotten a firm handle on what he is. Well, the, the thing is, people like to say, well, he's a product of Sidney Crosby. Well, look at the amount of players who have played next to Sidney Crosby and who have just been, it's been like a revolving door. Gensel's stuck. Just because you play next to Crosby doesn't mean you're going to automatically score 40 goals a year. you got to still be a good player to put yourself in position to score those goals because you know the puck's coming your way because Sid's a good playmaker. And Gensel, in the playoffs, he steps up big. In the regular season, he's going to get probably 30 goals this year um, for the first time. So uh, I think he's a, you think he's a good player. I think he's a good piece for him going forward. And the fact that he's young and contributes is going to be huge too. But there, there's there's so many other problems on that roster that I don't know. I don't know how they go about fixing him because uh, – they look at the salary cap. They look at Jack Johnson's contract, and the, those contracts are not going to be unloaded on teams. Not, you know, other teams aren't going to help the Penguins out to get rid of their bad salaries. Yeah. Um, the good thing, though, for Penguins fans is uh, they've won ninety billion playoff games <laughs> in the last five years. So <laughs> it's okay that uh, they're doing some kind of suspect things right now. They're probably still going to be a playoff team, and they still have Sidney Crosby and Malkin and everything. Like, and Murray might just get hot like in the next month and then they're all fine and none of this matters but yeah i i don't know i the penguins are fine like they don't get penguins fans don't get to complain for a very long time even if this ends badly and they start making bad moves that uh destroy their future and all that other stuff like you've had a good run yeah look two 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 titles back back years hasn't done 20 years um five in their history yeah they, they've definitely done enough to end but you know, every fan wants to see their team win, and when you have Sidney Crosby and Jimmy, Jimmy Malkin still on their primes, and Phil Kessel as well, who's uh, I think third and thirty-one, still scoring goals. You know, you you want to see them win with with that great core, and you want to see great players win. But the the supported cast around the those those core guys in Pittsburgh has really been diminished over the last couple of years. So, who are you still thinking about after the deadline that you're like, I don't. I could like maybe I can sell myself on what they did. Maybe I can't. Like you've gone back and forth on where you're just, it's you're just a strong. I don't know what to think right now. Calgary for me is one. Okay. Um, they were in on Mark Stone. Supposedly, their VP of Hockey Operations, uh, Don Maloney, said on TV yesterday that they were in on a on a big. He didn't say the name, but everyone pretty much knows that it was Mark Stone. They were in on a big name uh, on Sunday night, but the price was just a little bit too high for them, and they stood pat. And Bradshaw, living the GM, was happy he didn't have to give up either of his two prospects in, in a deal. And he said he, you know, he didn't make a big move, but he was so he was confident in, in the roster that they have now. They added uh, a depth defenseman Oscar Fantenberg from from the Kings. But they, you know, so they're going to go into battle uh, with with the best record in the West at the moment with you know Johnny Gaudreau and Charles Monahan and Michael Backlund and Elias Lindholm and James Neal when he comes back if he can kind of turn things around and obviously a, a solid blue line with Giordano and TJ Brody and I would have liked to see them add another big piece up front like a Mark Stone especially when you look at what Ottawa got for him how they were unable to get a first round pick for him which is kind of shocking. Um, I also maybe like to see you know, a bit of an upgrade in, in, on, in goal. Uh, Mike Smith has had his moments this year. David Rich was was fantastic for a couple months there, but it's kind of been up and down since. And Mike Smith's been hot and cold, more cold than hot this year. And it doesn't really give you a lot of confidence uh, you know, in goal heading into uh, heading into the playoffs. So maybe they could get through round one, but in round two, if they're facing a, a Sharks or Vegas or whoever they might face in round two, that's going to be a, a, a tough ask for, for either of those guys. So 
we'll see what happens with Calgary. You know, Calgary's been fantastic all season long and deservedly where they are, um, especially under Bill Peters coming over, new coach, new system. They really picked up on that pretty quickly, and um, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just curious if they have enough to compete with those teams in the West if they are able to make a deep run. You know, the, the Predators, the Jets. Uh, the Sharks, the, the the Golden Knights as well, and, and this Blues team who's come out of really the depths of the Western Conference over the last month and a half. So it should be a pretty big battle. So um, I'm curious to see really who who the Flames end up getting around one and, and how they're going to match up with them, uh, considering they're, they're not really changed much since, uh, you know, two days ago. Yeah, and you could tell that, like, they're one of those teams that I think are betting on being at the top of the, the conference for the next couple of years. That they like the trajectory, they're ahead of schedule, and they're not going to jeopardize anything, regardless of how cool it is. And there's another team that probably fits this build, the Islanders, in a different kind of way, that were pretty quiet this trade deadline. But, like, I, those teams I'm okay with, because you're like, if it's not broken, don't fix it. We're like, this great thing is working right now i don't think they have enough to win anything major come playoff time but it's still like a good story and it's a good enough story where like the fans aren't going to be upset for you not going all the way in because i think there is enough stuff here where you're like okay i think this is sustainable yeah trail living said the same thing said something like that yesterday where not only were the, the prices not anything he wanted to meet he didn't want to mortgage the future for a rental player so if they went in for mark stone he obviously is gonna he could he could have been a free agent in in july on restricted freeze so he would have wanted a 70-year deal uh for you know eight nine ten million dollars he got ended up getting i think nine and a half from from vegas so that's that's a rich contract to add to your books do you, are you willing to you know, extend him, put him on your cap picture where you're going to have to move out some other contracts, especially the Flames where you look at their, their cap picture, they have a lot of guys tied up for, for years. Um, they have one big decision to make this summer with Matthew Kachuk, who's going to be an RFA. Uh, he's going to get a nice payday. So you, you got structuring all these salaries and the, the, these years in your cap picture to, to feel the competitive roster. Um, and also you have some kids coming through the system uh, who will be cheap and you hope to be impact players and you don't want to give them away for a guy who you may only have for, for two, three months at, at, at max. Yeah. So I'm okay with it. The flames, I don't, uh, you're not, uh, you're not going to like this, but, uh, I'm not going to flame the flames. That was you good. You can use that, that for anything. Did you work uh, that on, work out on that all day. I, I've been thinking about that one for a while. Um, <laughs> I want to transition a little bit here because there are two teams, as I talked about at the top of this podcast, that when you go through their draft capital over the next couple of years, you're just like, oh, let's, if you're a fan of this team, you better hope that uh, you have a lot of faith in your scouting department because the New York Rangers, who were in the playoffs for basically a decade straight, are now firmly in the rebuilding category. They brought in the college coach. They are embracing the tank and the long-term outlook that people were pretty suspicious about as to whether or not they would actually go all in there. And then you have the Devils, who are doing the same exact thing in New Jersey, um, while the Islanders um, sneak in to that top spot in the New York area with half their games being in one place, half of them being in another, and then who knows what's going on with the new stadium and not great attendance, all kinds of weird stuff going on with the Islanders this year. But I have to ask you, who do you believe in more future-wise, the Devils or the Rangers? Oh, I would say the the Rangers. Just just okay. this fact. It look you you look at the Devils and it, they look they they to me they look more in a rebuild mode than the Rangers are. Like they have a lot of young kids. They're they're, they're giving experience now, which is good, especially when you know they're see, they're not going to make a playoff. So you might as well give the kids some time, see how they look. Uh, and if they're NHL material going forward for, for next season. <clears throat> Obviously, the big question is extending Taylor Hall. He could be a UFA after next season. You want Obviously, you want to make your team as competitive as possible, so, he, so you, you have him want to sign an eight-year extension there to stay. So, but with the Rangers, they, they even with the trades, getting trading Zuccarello, trading Hayes, they, they still have enough quality players there that they can still be competitive next year. I mean, you're not, they're not going to waste the last two years of Henrik Lundqvist's con- contract uh, on a full rebuild. 
Uh, when you look at the, you talk about the amount of picks they have, they could potentially have four first round picks this year, depending on some conditions on, on a couple of the, the, the trades that they made, which more than likely they'll, they'll probably end up just having two, uh, but they could have four depending on how things go, but they, they could have, I think five or six within the first couple rounds this year, which is one good. If you want to restock your prospect cupboard or two, which I was, or if, if you if you do what I think Jeff Gordon's going to do and use those picks as trade trade bait to bring in some quality players, because you know the Rangers, even for the moves they made, they they're going to have plenty of cap space. I believe around twenty, maybe a little more, twenty million dollars in cap space this summer. Uh, they only really need. I don't even think they need to, to re-sign any big names now that uh, Hayes is gone um, and Zuccarello is gone. Do they want to bring those guys back? Well, that obviously depends on turn and what those guys are looking for because they obviously have talked about how much they love New York so maybe they, there could be a reunion on July 1st but either way they could be aggressive and free and seeing and build around guys like Zabanajed, like Chris Kreider, like Shattenkirk and Brady Shea on, on the back end so to me if the Rangers are a year from now if they're in a wildcard spot if they're in the third spot in the Metropolitan Division it wouldn't shock me because I, I fully expect them to be a team really spending money this summer and if you're a ranger fan hopefully they're spending it very wisely okay who do you think was a more surprising team the deadline for you the hurricanes or the coyotes um i think the hurricanes a little bit i mean there's talk that michael furland they, they weren't close on a contract extension uh, he was looking for some 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 buco bucks and uh, you know long term. What do they call him? Like their own rental or something? Yeah, it's like your own rental. It's like you know he's probably going to leave in this in in July first. That's just a weird thing to anyway. advertise. <laughs> yeah, it's it, it's it's a hockey thing, I guess. I, it's, yeah. it, it came up over the last couple of years. I don't know, I don't know who coined it, but it, it's weird. But you, you look at where they are. You know, they, they got a big win tonight over the Kings. And they want playoffs too, right? They, they've had a pretty decent drought. That, that fan base, it's a, it's a really cool fan base. If you ever go down to a game there, it's a fantastic pregame. They, 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 the tailgates are fantastic. Obviously, this great barbecue in the area. Um, but that, that's a, a fan base that, that you know, Ron Francis started. They were building, acquiring all these young pieces. And now this is kind of the year where they take that next step forward. Um, they bring in, I think one of the best ones I think was bringing back Justin Williams, just a, a, a veteran presence, a guy who can really teach some of these young players, you know, how to be professionals and how to, you know, how to handle themselves. And still, and you look at Williams, he's still a, a great, a great player. He can still score 15, 20 goals a year, whether it's, with, whether it's with his stick or his face, like he did last week, uh, taking one off the cheek there and scoring a goal, but they have a lot of some really good young pieces. Sebastian Aho, Table Teravine, and um, you know, Doug Hamilton on the back end, Jacob Slavin, Justin Falk. I mean, this this is a roster littered with not just young players, but young players who are making are finally making an impact. They they waited a couple of years and they're finally stepping up and, and becoming players. And for some of them, like Aho, most importantly for the Canes, they're still on their entry level deal, so they're cheap. So you're getting a good bang for your buck before you got to open up the checkbook and, and give them extensions. So um, I like what they've done there, even with their whole goalie situation where Scott Darling was supposed to be the guy. That didn't work out. They picked up Curtis McElhinney off of waivers early in the season, and he's been fantastic with a nice duo there with Peter Morazic. Obviously, you know they're they're well coached. Rob Brindamore is, is a guy who I think can make anyone run you know want to run through a brick wall after one of his speeches. He's such an intense guy, and certainly been around the game for a very long time, and uh, it, it's just working there. And we, we see the, the connection between the team and the fan base with the storm surges after their wins at home. Just the creative uh, celebrations of the doing, and, it, and it's just a market that is really ready for this team to take a big step forward, um, and. Um, I'm happy to see you know that them doing that this year, and and they're in a they're in a race too. You know they're in, they're in a fight with the Penguins, with Montreal, uh, with Columbus in that Metropolitan Division for one of those that third spot or one of the wild cards. So it's gonna it's gonna be interesting to see what happens down the stretch here because uh, that's a, a young team with some veterans sprinkled in there, but they're also going you're, you know they're fighting it out with a team like Pittsburgh, who's very veteran heavy and has the experience. So I think they play each other a couple more times too. So it should be fun to see down the stretch. And one thing to really love if you're a Carolina Hurricanes fan is like whenever you have the opportunity to rebuild that Atlanta Thrashers front office, you always do. 
Yeah, Bringing Back Don Waddell was certainly uh, an interesting movie. He was uh, mm-hmm. the president of, I think, of, uh, he's like the president of, I don't think he was the president of the Hurricanes, he was like the president of some, like the parent company for, for many years. And Tom Dundon bought the team and figured, hey, this guy used to be a GM. Let me fire the, the, the franchise legend and, and bring back mm-hmm. Don Waddell. And, and so far, it's, it, it's worked. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, it, they've had guys step up. They had a good draft. Andre Shvechnikov uh, has had a pretty solid rookie season. Um, and like I said, the goaltending has really been the big thing. That was one of the huge question marks coming into the year. And it hasn't been pretty, uh, but it, so far it, it's worked out for them. Yeah. It, uh, we'll see if it continues. And I, it, there is some irony there with that kind of stuff, considering it's Rod Brindamore running this team and everything. There is some sort of weird stuff in that front. But um, the Ottawa Senators, we have to talk about uh, the crazy... Well, so the Senators, like we've already moved past like that crazy stuff with the players' wives and everything. That feels like forever ago, but that was like one of my favorite sports stories of the last couple of years that a lot of people just went past. I, I don't know how you felt about keeping up with all of that, but that was insane. Um, and they obviously alleviated the situation by moving some people out. But now this team is helping out this fan base. Like a lot of people have questions about the ownership group and how they feel about the team and what they're going to do. And it's not a popular ownership group, I would say, but they now have 15 picks within the first three rounds of the next three drafts, including seven picks, two first three seconds and two thirds in the first three rounds of the 2020 draft. Do you think this team is going to capitalize and they're about to go about their golden years and they're just going to create the new fountain of youth and the new um, Colorado type or Toronto type or something like that, where it's just this overload of hot young talent or does the scouting department in this ownership group, are they going to really, are they, um, are they going to fuck this up? Sean? <laughs> well, you know, it, it's tough to say, like you say, with that ownership group and, and the GM, Pierre Dorian, who I, I believe I read, he's called yesterday one of the greatest days he had as, as a GM, mm. which is interesting. Uh, but right now, if you just look at, at, at their prospect, their prospects in the system, they have a very strong prospect group. Logan Brown, uh, Drake Batherson's been lighting up in the AHL. Uh, uh, Alex Formentin, uh, two guys who are not really prospects, but because they're up at the, uh, of the angel level. But Thomas Shabbat is young, Brady Kachuk as well. They have they have some really really good young pieces already in place in the system coming through. They had a couple more. Eric Branstrom from Vegas in the Mark Stone trade. He's been pretty highly regarded defenseman. He can make a huge impact. And like you said, they have all those draft picks to to play with. Either they take players with them or they use them in trades. The problem is ownership, like you said. Eugene Melnick said a couple weeks ago or a couple months ago that you know in two or three years uh, they're going to be a team that spends the cap ceiling whatever that is it's expected to be eighty three million next year so you figure two three years it could be upwards of nearly ninety million dollars so if the centers are going to spend that much money uh, then that bodes well for keeping players like Brady Kachuk like Thomas Shabbat when when they're when they're due contract extensions when after their RFAs which is good because. Yeah, they just had Mark Stone. They couldn't come to an extension with him because he pretty much didn't have faith in the ownership there. He, the, one of the things he said what would attract him about Vegas and why he signed the extension right away is the ownership there is committed to winning. And they certainly are. Bill Foley wants to win. He's hungry to win. We saw what happened last year. We saw what happened this past summer where they, they fell short of the cup final. And they just you know strengthened areas of the roster. Max Pacioretty and obviously now going to get get Mark Stone. They they want to win again. They got that taste. Whereas Ottawa, they got lucky a couple of years ago getting that run and really coming within a goal of making the Stanley Cup final. Uh, but since then, it's just come crashing back down. They had to trade Eric Carlson because he just didn't want to stay there. He, he, yeah, he gets on eight year deal there, but it, how many years of that is he going to be? missing the playoffs, probably most of them. Um, so if, if Melnick says he's going to spend the gap, well, he better because this fan base has no confidence in him um, and they're really losing interest. I mean, they want to, they want to support the team, obviously and the, the players, but they don't want to support ownership and they have the whole arena issue that's still going on, which who knows when that's going to be resolved. There's just a, a whole big mess around the organization. Whereas inside with the players, like I said, 
Shabbat is going to be a stud. Brady Kachuk's already an impact player. Um, and the kids coming through the AHL system could be pretty good in the next couple of years. So uh, the on-ice stuff looks pretty bright a couple of years down the line. Off of it, it it's a mess. And that's what, that's what Sens fans have been dealing with, not only just now, but over the last couple of years. Well, I think the biggest thing is taking uh, smartphones out of all their young prospects' hands. That would be my priority number one if I'm running the <laughs> Ottawa Senators, knowing just how much that backfires um, for these young guys. Uh, I would go yeah, ahead and, and th- yeah, don't take Ubers. To drive yourself. Drive yourself. No smartphones. <laughs> all kinds of stuff. Little things that only is an Ottawa kind of um, just an Ottawa thing. And, you know, if there's one thing I've learned in the last couple of years, it's um, definitely take a billionaire at his word. So I, I think Ottawa Senator fans should be thrilled because I don't see any way that um, he doesn't follow through on his promise. Um, but yeah, uh, especially a guy who spends uh, most of his year in Barbados because, you know, he sees that as a tax haven. Well, to be fair, that's him thinking about all the draft picks that he's acquired over the last uh, couple months. Yeah, so he's just who he's not going to pay in a couple. Yes, years. <laughs> he loves the <laughs> savings. That's what he's getting. All the savings in the world. It's one of my favorite uh, NHL players. It's uh, tax savings. It's a it's a nice yeah. thing. It's always reliable. Um, <laughs> the other thing with Vegas, though, you brought up with them, and obviously getting stone and everything, but. It's, there was a really good piece in uh, the Hockey News today about uh, just the 2000 expansion draft that just keeps on giving for this team. And that's like part of the reason they're able to keep rolling the way they are and spend and trade for somebody like Stone because the centerpiece of that deal that they sent to the Senators, that was their first round pick in 2017. So like that's they're still getting really great returns. So I feel like part of it is luck. Like Vegas has gotten very, very lucky on a multitude of fronts. So like, yes, what they're doing is fun. They're going for it. Great. But like they got really lucky. Like there needs to be a 30 for 30 on the 2017 expansion draft (laughs) and everything that's come after it. Right. Yeah. I mean, look, everything, that's what you need to win in sports. You need need not just to have talent, but you need to get a little luck on your side. And and certainly they had a, a great run last year and, uh, I was really happy to see them strengthen even more this past summer going to get Paul Stastny and, you know, not just being satisfied with, with last year and wanting to build off of that. And while at the same time collecting draft picks to stock the cupboard where you can use them in trades, like to get Mark Stone. So they got Brandstrom highly regarded. He goes and gets you a Mark Stone. And that's a, yeah. that's a great deal. The other kid they have is Cody glass. he, he, from everything, it sounds like it sounds like they they're going to hold on to him tight. And I kind of yesterday I compared Cody Glass to Braden Shen, who was a a highly touted prospect with the LA Kings, who Dean Lombardi was held on to as long as he could. He held on as long as he could, long as he could. Got a lot of offers for him, and eventually he found a deal, traded him. Uh, I believe it was in the, the Jeff the Jeff Carter deal, uh, Mike Richards deals, one of those. Um, back in 2011, I believe it was. And then a year later, the Kings win one of their two cups. So uh, you, you get a hold out for the right, for the right deal, especially with the cap, you know, you have, more, they have a lot of heavy contracts, a lot of guys with term. So you got to fit that into your salary structure. And, or if, if depending on how it shakes out, glass could be a guy who makes the angel roster is on a cheap deal for, for a cup for three years. And then, that helps you there if you get impact for, for not a lot of money. So it can go either way, but McPhee and his staff have done a really good job, uh, not just setting this team up for success, success immediately, but building a good foundation to make that success beyond one, two years. So they're pretty much set up to be a, a good quality team in the Western Conference for three, four, five, six years, and we'll see what happens from there. And what's definitely helped is the fact that uh, the city is bought in and go and they give – they just give a crap because like i think they're top 10 in attendance right now so they're investing in the team it 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 turns out investing in it uh by trading for good players and spending money fans like that um it it's a shocker (laughs) i know but uh fans like it yeah and being and being good helps i mean they were good right away and and certainly in a new market that helps get people on board because before their first game Everyone thought, oh, they looked at the roster. Well, they're not going to be any good. Uh, people inside of Vegas, outside of Vegas, they, they, the Vegas people were happy to have a team, but probably the expectations were very low, and they started winning. 
And then they started winning again. They win some more. And Marc-Andre Fleury missed two months. And they were picking up goalies out of beer leagues pretty much. And they still kept winning. So it creates some excitement in the market. And it, it helps where it's not just locals in Vegas, but you have some people who are from you know other places around North America and the world who are probably are hockey fans who live there now. Or maybe the Knights are their second favorite team. You know, I like the Bruins. I love the Bruins because I'm from Boston, but now I live in Vegas. So I'll roof the, the Golden Knights as my second team. So they probably a lot of that. And also, too, it's just a, a well-run organization. You, you, you saw everything they did after the, the, the mass shooting there for their first home game. Just created that early connection, that early bond with the community uh, and, and doing things out of, in the community uh, beyond that has really helped. And obviously going to a game is fun. Uh, you, you see the, the pregame introduction that they do, the little theatrical show that was uh, so popular last year. Mm-hmm. It's, 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 it's corny, but it's so Vegas that you can't help but not love it. And, well, how does Mr. Um, Cherry I mean, feel about it? Because that's, I think, priority number one there. Uh, well, I mean, if the Carolina Hurricanes are a bunch of jerks for uh, doing a... Did you see a, what you know, they did tonight, by the way? I, I did not. Uh, so the Carolina Hurricanes came out to a bunch of jerks all over the uh, center ice. Like, they, the broadcast, like, there's literally, like, lights that uh, spell out bunch of jerks. That's good for them. I'm glad they're mm-hmm. leaning into it. Kind of like how the way that the Flyers leaned into Gritty, where he was kind of panned originally, but they just kept going. Good for the Hurricanes because look, that 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 post game stuff that they do there, that's not for Don Cherry, that's not for me or you, that's for Hurricanes fans. That's that's yeah. that's for that market, and that's obviously creating a, a connection between the team and the fans, and the, some more excitement around the team. Especially now, as we talked about earlier, they're in the playoff race, so. So good for them. I mean, it, it, same thing with Vegas and the, the pregame show. I mean, I remember during the final where some people were, were harping on, well, that's not for us. That's for Vegas fans. That you know, The fans love it. That's that's for them. Each each individual market has their own things that they do or, you know, these little quirks about the, the franchise that are a connection between the fan base and the team, not from the, fan, not from the team and, you know, media members or people from out of town. So, good for the Canes and I, I hope to keep doing it. I'm eager to see what they do the rest of the season. Yeah. I mean, I think every team should have their own thing. Like I think the Ducks should get to the point where they're like, all right, our offense is so bad that we're actually going to pull fans from the stadium <laughs> and let them see if they can score like it. Uh, or, you know, Canadians, what if they're like, you know, we're never going to have a fourth line. So what if we just pulled an entire group of fans and they got all to play together and see if it was any worse than what they were trying to do? Let's bring back Bob Ganey, Guy Carbono, Guy LaFleur. Yes. Or just a bunch of retired guys. How great would that yeah. be? Like just a bunch they'll be, they'll of old cheap. guys. And see. Yes. You, you, give, you give them the NHL minimum, that's more than what they made in their career. So. Oh, my God. I'd that would it. be incredible. And you know some of those guys would do it, too. They're like, if I sure. die, I die. I went out doing what I love. Play them seven minutes a night. Put them in good situations. It should be all right. Yeah, I think so. Um, do you think the Islanders should have done more? Um, yes and no. I mean, it's, it's easy to say, well, this team should have done more, but then it's like, well, you know, what were the prices? I, I'm sure they yeah. were in Mark Stone, but what was, uh, what was Pierre Dorian asking from Lou Lamoureux? And obviously Lamoureux is not going to reveal anything at all uh, about negotiations. So, and also too, I mean, it, it, you know, is the, was the price too high for a rental? As we talked about before about Stone, it, the Islanders bringing in Stone, I'm not, not I mean, they may want to resign him, but they also got to worry about are they going to resign Everly, Brock Nelson, uh, Anders Lee? Uh, they, Robin Lehner, are they going to bring him back next year? So they, you got to wonder you know, where he would fit as a, a, a 70 year extension into their cap picture, how much that's going to affect other guys, and how much, you know, like Lamarell said yesterday, he wasn't going to make a trade just to make a trade. He likes what this team has right now, and there's certainly chemistry on all four of those lines. They're getting contributions from guys. In case Zizekas almost has 20 goals. Dal Filippo is having a fantastic year. You know, there's some chemistry with, with, with uh, Leo Komarov as well. So, you know, there, there, there's a uniqueness to this team where you know, it's everyone kind of thought, oh, well, John Tavares is gone. Well, it's just going to be Matt, the Matt Barzell show now. Well, to, uh, Barzell's had a, a solid year, of course, again, but he's not like on a pace for 90 points. He, he's, they, they're getting good balanced scoring. So it's not just Barzell carrying the load, which is, uh, which is what you want to have. 
And they're also having some of their young blue liners stepping up. Ryan Pula finally getting a, a full opportunity. Uh, he, he's good offensively. Devin Taves has, has looked pretty good at times as well. So, and, and the other thing, clearly, which has been the story for the Islanders, has been the goaltending. Not just Robin Lehner, but Thomas Grice playing well. And both those guys, no one thought this would happen. And uh, we all knew the Islanders were going to become a better team over time with Barry Trotz there. That's just kind of what he does. But no one expected it to be this quick. And everything that he's done, they've bought in. And certainly the key has been the play of their goaltending, which was which just sunk them last year. And right now, it's, it's just one of the most remarkable turnarounds I think we've seen in a long time. Especially because, I mean, just Tavares is gone. And you kind of just expect them to fade into obscurity. And they're just, they're there. It's a cool story. I like when that happens. Like, I don't know if it's a Ewing theory kind of deal with Tavares being gone and now everything's fine, not having that um, free agency just looming over them. Um, but it is a cool story, right? Like when uh, superstars like that depart and the team just decides, you know, what? Uh, we're actually going to be better than when you were here. That's a, that's a cool thing. Yeah, it's, it's a unifying thing, right? Because Tavares leaves... I don't, who had them making the playoffs, let alone uh, leading the division right being now? Honest. Anybody, yeah. right? So these guys on here, that they're on Twitter, they're 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 reading what what people are thinking about their team going into the season, and they come to the training camp, and and that's that's a, an easy thing to bond over and, and to unify with, and, and and just say you know just stick it to the critics. We got you know we 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 have a coach who just won the Stanley Cup is coming to our team, uh, so that's certainly a boost. And then you have uh, people. You, saying you're not going to make the players not going to be any good because your best player left. Well, they're going to want to stick it to the naysayers. And certainly they've been doing that this season. Um, and it, it's whether they could have made an addition. Sure. You probably would like to see maybe bulk up up front a little bit, a little bit. Um, but even if say they get bumped in round one, it's a disappointment, but you, you look at this team, they're, if, if as long as you know they bring back some of those guys who are UFAs and and Laner does not regress back to being old Robin Laner, I don't mean the off the ice stuff. I mean the on his on the ice play. Um, then I think it's a success and a year you could build off of because you know you have a, a really good coach and, and a general manager who has put together championship teams before. So uh, it, it's a good step and certainly they're going to be a very hard out for whoever they play in the playoffs. Yeah, it's a good story. I um I enjoy it. One of the last things, we have a couple quick things before we go. Um, do you have a favorite new team for one of the players who were moved at the deadline? Like you're just like, oh, I love this new fit for this guy. And why is it uh, the former defenseman in Anaheim who's now going to prosper in Buffalo? <laughs> Brandon Montour, yeah. Yes. I mean, he'll certainly get the opportunity there. And he's a guy who definitely has had flashes uh of talent and he's going to be on a team that's kind of on the upswing even though things even though things haven't been going so well for the Sabres the last uh, little while and uh, maybe that 10 game winning streak really kind of couldn't you know distorted things but this should be seen as a step forward season from the Sabres obviously there's a there, there's plenty to clean up there for next year but I think all in all this was a, a good year good building block a lot of guys getting experience and, and chipping in um, as far as a player on a new team who I like I'm very very curious about Kevin Fiala in, in Minnesota okay Bruce Brujo has found a way to really unlock the offensive potential of players over, over the year during his career. And Fiala is a guy who scored 20 goals in this league, had that bad leg injury a couple of years ago, but he's certainly a guy who has the ability in the right situation with the right line mates to be that impact player, a guy who can score you 25, 30 goals a year. And he really wasn't getting that opportunity in natural that that's a, it's a, a stacked team, a really balanced team. It's hard to crack the top two lines there with the players that they have there. So maybe going to Minnesota a team that's looking to get younger, looking to get faster um, in a bit of a transition phase here. I think he's going to get that chance in Minnesota. And as long as Boudreaux is the coach there going forward beyond this year, I, I could certainly see Kevin Fiala being a guy who flourishes there and, and really kind of breaks out within the next you know year or two. Okay. How weird of a spot is the, are, are the Blackhawks? for the next couple of years? Are they just in kind of, I mean, the Crawford stuff is the nice door, I guess. Um, but 
are they just kind of, I mean, they're kind of a playoff team, kind of not. They can't really fully tear it down. They're a team also that's just had a bunch of success. Um, obviously not a very popular move to fire their coach midseason. We'll see what happens there. But um, it, it's just, I don't have any idea what to make of the Blackhawks' future. Well, there are certainly some nice young pieces there, right? The Brent Cat's a stud. Eric Gustafson had, has had a fantastic year in the blue line. Uh, Dylan Strom has obviously changed his, uh, his career around since going there, being a partner with his old buddy from uh, Erie in, in the Brinkett. Dominic Cahoon's been strong, but obviously the older guys there, you know, the Canes, the Tays, the Seabrooks, the Keiths, <clears throat> they're taking up a lot of salary cap space is what they make, and they have no move funds. So you, you can't stand home. You can't just tear things down. They got to go to these guys and say, hey, uh, would you want to wait to go somewhere else? And, you know, those guys are, they're older. They have families. They, they have roots in Chicago. They've been there their whole career. So they're not just going to, you know, want to, you know, up and move. So that's hard for, for Bowman to do if he wants to reshape the roster. So it, 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 they're going to have to rely on what, what brought them success early on. Their younger players coming through on entry level deals, being cheap and scoring scoring goals and being impact players. And they haven't had that the last couple of years. They're just slowly starting to get that now with some of these kids, which is a good sign for the future. But you also got to look at that um, from the upper management, right? That That's a proud franchise. Kane, Taves, they're only, I think, 30 years old, so they're not old. They're still in the prime like Crosby, now in the Pittsburgh. So this, this organization, they're going to try as hard as they can to continue to try and win Stanley Cups. Um, as long as those guys are, are there. So I, I, I can certainly see Stan Bowman trying to get creative this summer uh, in bulking up his roster. Maybe if you can't trade one of those core four guys, maybe you look to move a, a Brandon side. Maybe you look to you know, move um, you know, another secondary piece on your roster, maybe one of those young guys to bring in uh, kind of a veteran who can help you up front or maybe on the blue line. So it's a tricky spot with, with you know, with, with, with those main older guys with those no move clauses and being unable to kind of completely tear it down. So Bowman's going to have to get creative and um, he's done it before in the past. And I can certainly see another like three or four trades with the Coyotes because it seems like he has a direct line to John Chaka because they're always making, you know, a couple of trades a year with each other. Um, but, uh, I'm, I'm very interested to see the Blackhawks. They're, they're certainly going to be a team uh, to me that's going to be one of the teams to really keep an eye on this summer because uh, there's no way there's no way this that franchise is happy with where, where they are right now. They want to be one of the elites, one of the best teams in the West, and, and they want to be back there as, as soon as possible. So I can certainly see the pressure being on this summer to really make that happen. Last thing, and then we'll go. Um... Are you buying the Blues after their old fire coach early in the season and then win 90 billion games in a row? Jack? It was a, it was one of the classics that I very much appreciate. You know, I was feeling really good in like early January because I, I, I didn't pick them to make the playoffs. I, I was I had the last couple of years and Jake Allen's really just killed me. And so I was really happy to see that them they were they were sucking and missing the playoffs and then all of a sudden Jordan Bennington comes out of nowhere and, and goes on this Andrew Hammond type run and, and really gets them uh it really cemented into a playoff spot they, they got a, a nice little cushion going on right now which which they should be able to keep when you look at the way Dallas and Minnesota and Colorado have been playing the last several weeks so uh, but look Craig Ruby has done this before you know he took over for Craig uh, Peter Laviolette in Philly when they were struggling early on a couple of years ago and and he got them to the playoffs He's he's coached in, in the AHL last couple of years, knows a lot of these players. So there's that familiarity with their younger players there. And he stepped right in. And, and it's funny, two months ago, we were hearing talks, well, they're going to trade Tarasenko. They're going to trade Peter Angelo. They're going to trade Pareto. And now all that, we heard nothing of that over the last two weeks heading into the deadline. Now it's, well, could we add somebody here? So they ended up picking up Michael Dozage as, as a depth defenseman for a little help in the, in the back. And, um, they look pretty good uh, where they are right now. It, 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 they're going to face probably a, a Nashville or Winnipeg on round one, which will certainly be very, very difficult. But they've, they've changed their whole game really since the beginning of the season, since under Mike Yo. They're, they're getting a lot more chances uh, in front, a lot of high, da- high danger chances, which they weren't getting uh, earlier in the year, and they're capitalizing on them. 
Ryan O'Reilly, Vladimir Tarasenko, they're different players than they were earlier in the year. They're, especially Tarasenko has been, we know how much of, a, of an electric player he can be, but in his last couple months, he, he's really kind of reverted back to his old form of, of being that dangerous player. And uh, they've all been, they've been doing this too without a guy like Theo Perron, who's been banged up and, and has missed a lot of time as well, who's had a, a great year since coming back there from, from being in Vegas uh, last year. So, and obviously it goes back to Bennington. This kid's on, on a roll. He's 26 years old, been in the HL his whole career. May not be this guy next season. This may just be like an Andrew Hammond type thing, uh, like a couple of years ago in Ottawa, but you might as well enjoy the ride if you're a Blues fan, because right now uh, things are looking good. And you, you'd like to see maybe some of their, their secondary scoring, you know, carry the burden a little bit more and, and really help out, especially if you're going to face like a team like Nashville, Winnipeg in round one. Uh, but right now they, they're, they're, they're really rolling and it, it, it's really fun to see, especially in, in a, a market like St. Louis, which they had that long playoff streak for many years. That was, uh, that was ended some time ago and, and they, they haven't, haven't seen their team, you know, win a Stanley cup yet. And, and they're, they're hungry for a winner and they, they've seen so many, high expectations year end in either uh, missing the playoffs or, or first round defeat where and right now there's, there's some renewed confidence in that market that this team can certainly get in there and, and make some noise in what's going to be a pretty tough central division to get out of. Well, if there's one thing that uh, is a good sign for postseason success, it's uh, getting matched up with Winnipeg and Nashville in round one. <laughs> well, yeah. And the best part too, with this stupid playoff system is that, a team, you know, Nashville, Winnipeg, Calgary, San Jose, Vegas, those teams, they can't meet in a conference final because they have to get out of their own division, which is just... That's, yeah, stupid. really so. stupid. I don't know. Well, maybe this will change when Seattle gets instituted and they have 32 teams. Is there any chance that they change it again once they're 32? Well, I mean, they've only t- they've only announced the, the realigned divisions when Seattle gets in, like, like uh, Arizona will move to the Central. They didn't say anything about the playoffs, but that's something that they work out with the players. So by the time Seattle gets in, we'll have a new CBA and mm-hmm. maybe within that CBA, the players in the league will come up with a new playoff format or go back to the, the, you know, the top eight in, in the conference format. Which, Why did they go uh, away I, I from think, that? Just do top eight. It's fine. They, they want to bring back what, what they used to have back in the day where was, you know, the divisional rivalries where you can get Pittsburgh and Philly, Pittsburgh and the Rangers, uh, Calgary and Edmonton in, 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 in the early rounds in the playoffs, which I, I understand the sentiment, but ultimately you, you want your best teams playing. Right, you, you don't want, want to your, cannibalize your, your best teams early on. Final. I just yeah. I don't know of any other league that thinks like that. They're like, you know what? What if we did, uh, oh, I'm trying to think of like the best example. What if we did Pats Steelers in round one? What if we did that? What if right. uh, baseball yeah. was like, you know what? Yankees Red Sox round one. Let's go ahead and get this out of there. Let's uh, let's go ahead and move on from this so that we can get to Cleveland New York. That's really what we want to get to. That's such a weird yeah, it, line of thinking. They don't make a lot of sense. I mean, they they always talk about uh, being environmentally sound and, and green, and also how much you know they 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 want players to rest. Where why would they not go to a playoff format where it's two three two? So. The players aren't traveling so much back and forth in the later later games of the series, and also you're not using the airplanes to with their fuel and all that stuff for the environment uh, going back and forth. So I mean, maybe one day we'll we'll get uh, you know some smart GMs will will get in the room and kind of overtake the old the old dinosaurs that still reside in there and, and it brings some new fresh ideas to the table. We'll see. I won't hold my breath. Uh, Sean, thank you so much for coming on this podcast. It was great to catch up, man. And I'm, I'm glad uh, you survived another NHL trade deadline. Um, still a couple more days before the weekend, but you'll get there <laughs> and it will be okay. Um, is there anything we need to check out on NBCSports.com? Uh, you can check out. We have our, our winners and losers from the trade deadline. Uh, well, why would they need to do that night. after listening to this podcast? There's absolutely no reason. We just went through all of it. So just actually, you know <laughs> what you could do? You could share this podcast, and uh, that's the equivalent of giving you page views. People don't know that, but that's actually how that works. Yeah, you could check those out, and then check out the podcast, and check out our power rankings every Monday, mm-hmm. uh, and then just our, all of our rest of our coverage from uh, these final – I don't even know what it's five weeks, six weeks of the other regular season until we get to playoff time where the fun really starts. Oh, yes. Where the Anaheim Ducks will be riding a hot goalie. Ryan Miller 
bringing them back into the playoff chase. So you never know. You, you, you never know. It'd be the worst Ducks thing of all time to like, uh, God, I don't know. Nope. They're, they're going to keep losing. That's what I'm hoping for. Um, Sean, <laughs> thank you so much for taking the time. Uh, let's talk again soon. You got it, buddy. Anytime. And that'll do it for today's episode of the Chase Thomas podcast. I just want to remind you guys, if you like today's episode and you are subscribed on Apple Podcasts or iTunes, I would really appreciate if you could take a second, leave the show a five-star rating and a review. If uh, you're not an Apple Podcast listener, remember you can find the show on Spotify, TuneIn Radio, SoundCloud, Stitcher, uh, Google Play, or wherever else you get your podcasts. Uh, be sure to check out ChaseThomasPodcast.com where you can access all of my previous episodes and also find all my writing. I'm writing there fairly often. And also follow me on Twitter at Chase underscore Thomas and like the Facebook page at facebook.com slash Chase Thomas Writer. Uh, thank you for your support and we'll be back in another episode very soon. Thanks guys. Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah.